Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruh wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu wa man yudlil fala hadiya lahu wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna sayyidana Muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu amma ba'd all praise and thanks is due to Allah Azza wa Jal, peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah, salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayh. Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. Alhamdulillah, this week we will be looking at the life of Amirul Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib. And Ali ibn Abi Talib was a person who went through great difficulties. He was someone that persevered through a lot of different conditions which really tested Ali radiallahu anhu. Ali radiallahu anhu he was also a person in whatever field he entered. He really left a great impression and he really influenced the people around him. Ali radiallahu anhu, when he entered the battlefield, he became a hero. When he would enter into a dialogue, he was a great orator. When he entered matters of jurisprudence, he was a just and a good leader. Ali radiallahu an during the mornings he would remember Allah Azza wa Jal. He was someone that would fast the Sunan fasts. Ali radiallahu an during the darkness of the nights would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was Amirul Mu'mineen, the leader of the believers, Ali ibn Abi Talib. His name and his lineage. His name was Ali ibn Abi Talib, Abdul Muttalib, Ibn Hashim, Abdul Manaf, Ibn Mughira, Ibn Qusay, Zayd, yani Abu Hassan, Al-Hashimi. His mother was Fatima bint Asad, Ibn Hashim, Ibn Abdul Manaf, Ibn Qusay. Ali radiallahu an is the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his lineage meets Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the or with the first forefather. Abdul Muttalib and from the side of his mother he meets with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at his forefather Hashim ibn Abdul Manaf. His birth. Ali radiallahu an is the first Hashimi to assume Khilafah. So he was the fourth of the Khulafa Rashidin. Abu Bakr radiallahu an after he passes away, Umar radiallahu an after Umar is martyred, Uthman radiallahu an after Uthman is martyred, and then Ali radiallahu an becomes the Khalifa. He was born on the 13th of Rajab, 23 years before Hijrah. It appears in Al-Isaba 
that he was born 10 years before Nubuwa, before the Prophet ﷺ was a Nabi. And there are a few other reports with regards to the ex to the year that Ali radiallahu anhu was born. However, the exact year is not known and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. With regards to the birth of Ali radiallahu sometimes we find that people they narrate a story saying that Ali radiallahu was born in the Kaaba. And they attribute this narration to Hakim and a Saburi in his Mustadrak. And this narration is in the Mustadrak of Hakim. However, this narration it is not authentic. So you might be wondering, but why would people come and why would people say that Ali radiallahu an was born in the Kaaba? The reason for this is that many ulama they explain that certain groups, for example, the Shia, they try to put Ali radiallahu an and Hassan and Hussein and basically any of the other leaders that they believe in, they try to put them on a very high status. They try also to give them certain superhuman being qualities. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, is not the way of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jamaat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So first Allah in the Quran, He mentions the virtues of the companions. Ali radiallahu an is of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is the son-in-law of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is part of the Ahlul Bayt. So there is no need to fabricate certain stories about Ali radiallahu an to make him seem greater than he already is. As Allah azza wa jal praises the companions, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he praises the companions as well. So the narration of Ali radiallahu an being born in the Kaaba, this is incorrect. The next point I would like to look at is Ali radiallahu an growing up in the home of Nubuwa. That Ali radiallahu an, he grew up in the household of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Even Ishaq, he says that Ali radiallahu an, he was the first male youngster. He was the first young male to accept Islam. Ali radiallahu an, he lived and he grew up in the household of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he nurtured Ali radiallahu an. And what a great nurturing this was. The next point I would like to look at is his kunya, or in English known as his agnomen. Ali radiallahu an has a few agnomen. And of the most famous of them is Abu al-Hasan. 
that attributed to his eldest son Hassan ibn Abi or Hassan ibn Ali ibn Abi Talib and this son of his Abu Hassan and Hussein as well they came out of the marriage of Ali radiallahu an with the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Fatima radiallahu anha his second agnomen was Abu al-Sibtain and Sibtain is referred to the grandsons and this is from the female side meaning from the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-Sibtain and he was known as Abu Sibtain and they were Hassan and Hussein. The next one, he was known as Abu Turab. The one that was covered in sand or dust. And this was given to him by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he coined this agnomen Abu Turab. To Ali radiallahu an and Ali radiallahu an in return he loved it and he loved being called by it. So now you might be wondering, but we, what is the story behind this? And Imam al Bukhari he narrates this as Sahal ibn Sa'd he reported that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he went to Fatima's house and he did not find Ali radiallahu an at home. So he asked her, where is your cousin? Yani, where is your husband? Where is Ali radiallahu an? She replied that we had an argument and he got angry with me. And so he never slept yet. He left. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told someone, go out and go find where Ali is. The person returned and he said, Ya Rasulullah, Ali radiallahu an, he is sleeping in the masjid. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he left the home and he went to the masjid. There he found Ali radiallahu an laying in, down in the sand and his shawl has fallen off and dust has covered it. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he starts to wipe off the dust of Ali radiallahu an and he says, stand up Abu Turab. Stand up Abu Turab, the one that is covered in sand. And this is where Ali radiallahu an, where he got the name of Abu Turab. There's another issue that one can look at with regards to Ali radiallahu an. As some people, when they say Ali radiallahu an, they say karram allahu And it seems that the first ones who said this, Karramallahu wajhu, may Allah honor his face, concerning Ali radiallahu an again with the Shia. And then as well as some scribes who took this narration from the Shia. Ibn Kathir, he mentions in his tafsir, that it is very common amongst many of the scribes who copy out books, the Kuttab. So in those years, there were obviously no printing presses, there were no laptops, there were no computers, no printers. 
So generally what would happen? If you needed a book, a copy of a book, you take a copy and you give it to a scribe. And this scribe, they would write this book out for you, obviously at a fee, and you would have a copy of a book. So generally they would write alayhi salam after the name of Ali radiallahu an, but not after the names of the other companions. Or they would write karramallahu wajhu and not write it after the other companions. Although, if one wants to be technical, saying alayhi salam after the other companions, it is acceptable as well. So treating the one companion with a certain level of respect and not treating the others, this is again not the way of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. The standing committee or the Lajna to Daima was asked the question about Sayyid Karram Allahu Wajuh, may Allah honor his face after Sayyid Ali radiallahu anhu and singling him out alone for that. They say that this is part of the exaggeration, yani the ghulu of the Shia concerning Ali radiallahu And it was said that it, the reason for saying this is because that Ali radiallahu did not worship any idol. That Ali radiallahu an, he did not worship any idols and this is why they gave him the name or after his name rather Karramallahu Waj. The issue my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam that there were many other Sahaba that were born into Islam as well. They also never worship, worshipped any idol so then shouldn't they be called Karramallahu Waj as well. And unfortunately with regards to this this has crept in amongst many Muslim groups as well. Many Sufi tariqas, etc. They also, when speaking about Ali radiallahu an, they say, Karramallahu waj. And it is obviously best not to ascribe this to Ali radiallahu an, as we got it from the Shia and we should try to stay far away regarding them. The physical appearance of Ali radiallahu an. Ibn Sa'di reports in his tabaqat through his chain from Razam ibn Sa'd al-Dabbi who said that I heard my father describing Ali radiallahu an and he said that he was a man of average height. He had large shoulders with a long beard. If you looked at him, you could say that he was brown. However, at a closer look, he looked more of a wheat color, far from brown, and Allah knows best. Ibn Sa'di also reports via his chain or via a chain from Ishaq ibn Abdullah ibn Abi Farwa, who said that I asked Abu Ja'far Muhammad ibn Ali. What was Ali radiallahu an's description? He said he was a man with a brownish complexion, large-eyed with a bold, meaning he was bold. And we find many other narrations as well where Ali radiallahu an would always shave his 
hair off. Meaning he wouldn't like just trim it, but rather you would, if you can say, use a blade and, as we know it in today's time, as maybe a number zero. <laughs> right? Or when the brothers go for Umrah or Hajj, then they know exactly what we are talking about. He was medium in height and he was closer to short than he was to Bintu. A glance at the household of Ali radiallahu an, and look, a look at his wife, uh, wives and his children. Ali radiallahu an, he got married more than once. However, he did not have a second wife while being married to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's daughter. Meaning that Ali radiallahu an did not marry another woman whilst being married to Fatima, binti Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Until she passed on the six, until she passed on six months after Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam's demise, he remained with Fatima and he nursed her and he cared for her until she passed away. And this showed the love and the care that Ali radiallahu an had for her. So, the first of his wives, as mentioned, was. Fatima bint Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the queen of the woman of Jannah. She gave birth to Hassan and to Hussein. Um, she also had a son that died in infancy. She gave birth to the daughters of Ali as well. Zainab al-Kubra, Um Kulthum, Al-Kubra and Um Kulthum married Umar radiallahu an. So after the demise of Fatima radiallahu anha, Ali radiallahu an, he got married to other females as well. Um al-Banin bint al-Haram. She mothered Abbas, she mothered Ja'far, Abdullah and Uthman. These were martyred along with their brother Hussein at Karbala. The third wife, Layla bint Mas'ud ibn Khalid ibn Malik from the tribe of Banu Tamim. She mothered Ubaidullah and Abu Bakr. Hisham ibn Al-Kalbi says that they were also martyred at Karbala. Number four, Asma bint Umais Al-Khath Amiya. She mothered Yahya and Muhammad al-Asghar. This is Al-Kalbi's view. Al-Waqidi on the other hand says that she mothered Yahya and Aun. And Al-Waqidi, he says that Muhammad al-Asghar was from Um al-Walad. The next wife was Um Habiba bint Zam'a ibn Bahr ibn al Abd ibn al-Qama. She was an Um Walad from the captives that Khalid had captured from the Banu Taghlib. So this was like Ali radiallahu anhu's slave girl. When he attacked Ayn al-Tamr, she gave birth to Umar and to Ruqayya. Umar, he lived until the age of 85. The next wife, Um 
Um Sa'id bint Urwa, Ibn Mas'ud ibn Mughith ibn Malik al-Thaqafi. She married Um al-Hasan and Ramla al-Kubra. The next wife, the daughter of Imra al-Qais ibn Adi ibn Us al-Kalbiyah. She gave birth to a girl would go out with Ali radiallahu an to the masjid when she was extremely little. She was small, young at age. And when she was asked, who are your maternal uncles? She would bark. <laughs> right? She would bark. And that was her reply. So with reference to the Banu Kalb and Banu and Kalb, as in the Arabic language means dog. So she was asked, who was your uncles? She knew they were from the tribe of Al-Kalbiya, so she would bark. It's a small child having some fun, and Allah knows best. The next wife, Umama bint Abi Al-As ibn Al-Rabi ibn Abd shams ibn Abd al-Manaf ibn Qusay. This was the mother, or her mother is Sayyidah Zainab bint Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She is the very girl Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would carry whilst performing salah. He would carry her in the standing posture and place her down when prostrating. She gave birth to Muhammad al-Aswad. And Khawla bint, that's another wife, Khawla bint Ja'far ibn Qais from Banu Hanifa. Khalid radiallahu anh took a captive in the days of As-Siddiq, in the war of Ridda against Banu Hanifa. She fell into the hands of Ali ibn Talib. He gave, she gave birth to Muhammad known as Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiya. There are some who claim imama and infallibility to him and this is obviously not the case according to Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama. So Ali radiallahu an he had other offspring from various ummahatu awlad and Ali radiallahu an he passed away leaving four wives and 19 concubines among his children whose mother's names are known are Umhani, Maymuna, Zainab, Asuhra, Ramla, Al-Kubra, Um Kulthum, Asuhra, Fatima, Umama, Khadija, Um Al-Kiram, Um Ja'far, Um Salama, and Jamana. There's something I would also like to highlight. Is that if one noticed Ali radiallahu anhu's children, you will find they had names like Abu Bakr, they had names like Umar, and they had names like Uthman. So the claim again that Ali radiallahu an he never liked or he disapproved of Abu Bakr, he disapproved of Umar, he disapproved of Uthman. These claims are null and void as you can see that he named his children, his sons, after these great men and after his brothers in Islam. The next important point I would like to look at is Ali radiallahu anhu, his rank, yani his status, his virtues. And before we get into detail, like I mentioned earlier, 
that there are many false ahadith attributed to Ali radiallahu There are many virtues that were given to Ali radiallahu that he did not have. Or let's rather say that it is not reported authentically. And as the series went on, we explained and we'll touch on it a bit again today. The importance of knowing where one gets your information from. This is extremely important. And we are going to look at some ahadith with regards to Ali radiallahu anhu's rank status and virtue, which are authentic, alhamdulillah. Narrated by Salama. Ali radiallahu anhu happened to stay behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he did not join him during the battle of Khaybar for he was having some eye trouble. Then he said, how can I remain behind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger? Meaning that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he's gone out to fight. The companions radiallahu anhu, they've gone out to fight. How can I be left behind with the women and the children? So Ali radiallahu anhu, he sets out to follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When it was the evening of the day in the morning of which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam were to conquer it. So the night before the battle took place, Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, that I will give the flag. So during the battles of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in the battles in the past, they would have a flag to show that this is the army of the Muslims, this is the army of the Kuffar, this is the army of this tribe, this is the army of that country. So they would have flags. And the flag would be carried by a flag bearer. So here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he says that I will give the flag to a man tomorrow and this man is a man whom Allah and his apostle loves he will take the flag meaning that whoever is going to be given the flag to tomorrow Allah loves him and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam loves him or it is said that a man who loves Allah and his apostle and Allah will grant victory under his leadership And Ali radiallahu anhu, he arrives and the people says that this is Ali, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he gave him the flag and Allah granted victory under his leadership. So here my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we can see of the virtue of Ali radiallahu anhu is that Allah, that he loves Allah, Allah loves him, the messenger loves him and he loves the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, and this was narrated by Ali himself, and Ali radiallahu anhu qala, laqad ahida ilayya nabiyyul ummiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, annahu la yuhibbuka illa mu'min, wa la yabghaduka illa munafiq, or illa munafiq. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is narrated by Ali radiallahu anhu, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he exhorted me, he said to me, that none loves you except that he is a believer. 
that none will love Ali radiyallahu an except that he believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And none will hate you, O Ali, except that he is a munafiq. This hadith is found in the Sunan of Imam At-Tirmidhi. The next hadith. عن مسعب ابن سعد عن أبي أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج إلى تبوك واستخلف عليا فقال So Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم they set off for the mission of Tabuk they appoint, he appoints Ali as his deputy in Medina and he says Ali says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Atukhallifuni fi sibyani wa nisa Do you want to leave me with the children and the woman? Qala, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, that, will you not be pleased? Would you not be happy? That you, أن تكون مني بمنزلة هارون من موسى Would you not be pleased that you will be to me like Harun was to Nabi Musa? إلا except أنه ليس نبي بعدي Except that they won't be a prophet after me متفق عليه So here again a virtue like no other virtue, not given to any of the other companions. But he says that you are to me, O Ali, like how Harun was to Musa. Except that there is no prophet after me. The next point we want to look at with regards to the virtues of Ali radiallahu it is his virtues amongst the Ahlul Bayt itself. So Ali radiallahu anhu, he falls under the Ahlul Bayt as well. Companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and part of the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the hadith that I would like to look at now is the hadith of Khadir or Al-Khadir Al-Khum. Now, this is a topic of much controversy between the Sunni and the Shia. And there are two ways of looking at this. The one way is looking it from the Shia perspective, as we will see a bit later. And the other way is looking at it from a logical approach, from a linguistic approach. And this will give us a fair and just contextual view of the event. So according to the Shia understanding of the events, what triggered the event of Khadir al-Khum was that Allah ordered to designate Ali as the successor of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Meaning, after the demise of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is not supposed to become Amirul Mu'mineen. He's not supposed to become the leader of the believers. But rather Ali is supposed to have been selected and be the first Amir. 
Now, in order to understand the event, right, of Khadir or Khadir Khum, we need to look at what happened before this. What led to this? And Imam At-Tirmidhi in his Jami' he brings a narration where Abdullah ibn Abi Ziyad narrated to us that Al-Ahwas ibn Jawab narrated to us from Yunus ibn Abi Ishaq from Abi Ishaq from Al-Bara'ah Allah be pleased with him that he said the messenger of Allah sent two armies and placed Ali in charge of one and Khalid ibn Walid in charge of the other he said if there is a battle then Ali shall lead Al-Bara said Ali then conquered a fort and took a slave girl Khalid then wrote to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam a complaint Al-Bara said I came to the Prophet and I read it his face changed and he said, what is your issue with a man that loves Allah and his Prophet and is loved by Allah and is loved by the Prophet? Al-Bara said, that I seek refuge by Allah from the anger of Allah and his messenger and I am but a messenger. He then became quiet. This hadith is Hassan al-Gharib. In another report, Imam al-Tirmidhi, he provides a bit more clarity. Qutayba ibn Sa'id narrated to us that Ja'far ibn Sulaiman narrated to us from Yazid ibn Aris, from Mutarrif ibn Abdullah, from Imran ibn Hussein, that he said that the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sent an army and placed Ali ibn Abi Talib in charge of it. He then got a slave girl and they condemned him. So Ali radiallahu an, he had a slave girl and they condemned him. Then four of the companions of the messenger of Allah agreed and said, when we go back to the messenger, we will tell him about what Ali did. Imam At-Tirmidhi regards this hadith or he grades this hadith afwan, as Hasanun Gharib as well. Both of these reports clearly state that the companions of the Prophet sallallahu and mainly Khalid ibn Walid had issues with Ali radiallahu an due to what happened in Yemen. Buraida ibn al-Husayn, one of the primary narrators of this event of or of the events of Khalid, he gives us much desired detail account that we were hoping and this is found in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad. From Yahya ibn Sa'id, from Abdul Jalil, he said that I entered upon a group with Abu Mijlas and the sons of Buraida, Abdullah ibn Buraida, and said, My father Buraida said that I disliked Ali like no other, and I loved a man from the Quraysh. Simply because he disliked Ali. He said, this is Buraida speaking, that a man was sent on a horse and I travelled with him simply because he disliked Ali. He Buraida then said, we then received captives of war. They wrote to the messenger of Allah saying to send someone to split it into five shares. Buraida said that he sent Ali 
and within the captives was a slave girl which was from the best of the captives. Pureida said he split the shares into five and distributed and he came out with water dripping from his head. We said, Oh Abul Hassan, what is this? He said, didn't you see the slave girl from the captives? I distributed and split it into five, into gives and she became in the fifth. Then she was included in the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then she became into the share of the family of Ali. And so I had intercourse with her. Puraira said a man wrote to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he sent me. He sent me as a confirmation. I then read the letter and confirmed the content. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa took the hand of Buraida and he said, Do you hate Ali? Do you dislike Ali? I said yes. He said, Do you not hate him? And if you... Right? He said, Do not hate him. Don't dislike Ali. And if you love him, then love him more. For by him who has my soul in his hand... Ali's rights to the fifth is greater than a slave girl. Puraida said after the words of the Prophet ﷺ, there was nobody that I loved more than Ali radiallahu an, and this hadith is authentic. So from the three reports, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we can come to the following conclusions. The conflict that occurred between some of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ and Ali radiallahu an, this occurred in Yemen. The conflict revolved around a slave girl that Ali took for himself. This is justified in Islam. And Ali himself, he justified it by stating that he had the right of determining what fell into his khums. And this angered or dis disappointed some of the companions who themselves would like to have had the slave girl for themselves. When the complaints reached the Prophet ﷺ, he sided with Ali and he pointed out that he is deserving of more than just a slave girl. He condemned them for holding grudges and many of them accepted the error and they started to love Ali once again. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, it is natural for people to have different views. It is natural for someone to be upset with the next person. However, when it is clarified by Rasulullah as was the case between Ali and the other companions, then they accepted the error. They accepted that they made a mistake and they loved Ali radiallahu an. Now, after understanding what happened in Yemen, this brings us to Hajj and Makkah now. So Ali radiallahu an, he arrives in Makkah to meet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he is in Makkah as well. So he meets Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the days of Hajj go and the days of Hajj is completed. So everyone, 
they start to disperse from Makkah. Those from Yemen, they go to Yemen. Those from Basra, from Kufa, wherever they might be in that time in Islam, they go to their various countries. The Arab tribes, they leave off to their tribes. So who is left? The people that are left are those people that need to go to Medina with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with Ali radiallahu an, and many of the companions. And they leave Makkah. They reach a place called Khadir al-Khum, which is in Juhfa, which is about 250 kilometers from Makkah. So who is this? This is just the people of Medina, Ahlu Medina. And they left to various countries. The others, as we mentioned, they left to their own countries. And here the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he delivered a speech. And in the speech he says that whoever I am the Mawla for them, whoever, whosoever I am, he is Mawla, meaning Kunt Mawlahu Fa'aliyu Mawla. They know that Ali is his Mawla. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, is where the Sunni and the Shia differ. We don't differ on the incident. We accept the incident. We accept what happened. We accept that Rasulullah gave a speech, as we will see a bit later. So... In a chapter in Sahih Muslim, the, under the chapter heading known as, or read the following, the virtues of Ali ibn Abi Talib, Yazid ibn Hayyan. He reported that I went along with Hussein ibn Sabra and Umar ibn Muslim to Zaid ibn Arkam, and we sat by his side. And Hussein said to him, You have been able to acquire a great virtue that you saw Allah's Messenger. You listened to his talk. You fought by his side in battles and you offered prayer behind him. Zaid said, you have in fact earned a great virtue. Then Zaid narrated to us what you heard, or Zaid narrated to us what you heard from Allah's messenger. He said, I've grown old and I've almost spent my age. Meaning that I'm going to leave this dunya soon. I've forgotten some of the things which I remembered in connection with Allah's Messenger. So accept whatever I narrate to you and which I do not narrate to you, do not compel me to do that. So he carries on. He says, One day Allah's Messenger stood up to deliver a sermon at a watering well known as Khum, which is situated between Makkah and Medina. And I explained this earlier. He praised us and delivered, right? He praised Allah. He Thank Allah, he praised the companions as well, etc. And he delivered a sermon and he exhorted us and he said, Now to our purpose. Why am I speaking to you? This is the reason. Oh people, I am a human being. I am about to receive the messenger of death from my Lord. And I, in response to Allah's call, would bid goodbye to you all. But I am leaving you amongst two weighty things. The one is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in which there is right guidance and light. Hold on to it and adhere to it. And he said the second is 
the Ahlul Bayt of my household, the family members of my household. I remind you of your duties to the members of my family, to the Ahlul Bayt. And in other narrations, the Prophet said, he said, Taraktu Amrain, that I leave two things, the Quran and the book of, right, the Quran, the book of Allah, and the Sunnah, right, meaning the Prophet wasallam's prophetic Sunnah. Here he says that I leave the book of Allah and my Ahlul Bayt. Look after them, give them your duties. Hussein then said to Zaid, who are the members of the Ahlul Bayt? Who are they? Aren't they his wives and the members of his family? Thereupon he said, his wives are the members of his family, but here the members of his family are those for whom acceptance of zakah is forbidden as well. And then he said, who are they? Upon this is where the Prophet said that he is, he said that Ali and the offspring of Ali. Akil and the offspring of Akil and the offspring of Jafar and the offspring of Abbas they will not be able to accept zakah Hussein said these are those whom the acceptance of zakah is forbidden he said yes and then in other narrations we see the part of that whosoever I am a Mawla then know that Ali is his Mawla so here the Shia they explain and they say that this gives proof this proves to us that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling Ali radiyallahu an, this is an indication that, oh Ali, you are going to be the first Khalifa after my demise. You are the leader of the Muslims because you are the Mawla. However, the word Mawla, it has various meanings and various understandings of the word Mawla. According to Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama, had the Prophet sallallahu wanted to tell Ali that you are going to be the first Amir, he would have told Ali that you are going to be the first Amir because he was Jawami ul Kalim. He was the best and the most clearest of speakers. He was the most intelligent person, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he would have said, oh Ali, you become the first Amir. Finish. Why also does he, if he wanted Ali to be the first Amir, why did he wait until everyone has gone to their different countries of the Hajj and only waited for the people of Medina and told them this? Because the people of Medina at the time that went out to the battle, the likes of Khalid bin Walid and may Allah be pleased with him and others, may Allah be pleased with all of them, there was a bit of an issue with Buraida as well. And the Prophet ﷺ needed to clarify this issue. So when he said that whosoever I am is Mawla and Ali is his Mawla, it means, Mawla means here that Nasruhu, that he helped Rasulullah ﷺ. He cared about Rasulullah ﷺ. He fought with Rasulullah ﷺ against the kuffar, against the enemies of Islam. This is what is meant by Rasulullah ﷺ and Mawla. Another virtue with regards to Ali radiyallahu an that is found in Sahih Muslim. Aisha radiyallahu anha. Now we need to listen carefully. Who's narrating this hadith? Aisha radiyallahu anha. She reported that Allah's messenger went out one morning wearing a striped cloak of black camel's hair that they came and then what happens? Hassan ibn Ali comes. He wrapped Hassan ibn Ali under this cloak. And then Hussein ibn Ali comes and he wraps Hussein 
under the cloak. Then Fatima, his daughter comes of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi He wraps her under the cloak. And Ali radiallahu anh comes and he wraps Ali under the cloak as well. And we see the verse or part of the verse إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمُ الرِّجَسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَهِرَكُمْ And Allah only desires to take away any uncleanliness, any nudges or ridges from you. O people of the household, yani of the Ahlul Bayt of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَيُطَهِّرَكُمْ And to purify you through its purification. The first point one needs to understand and that needs to look at is who narrates this hadith? Aisha radiallahu an. So where is the Shia taking from? Yeah, when it comes to this hadith, they take from Aisha radiallahu an. The same mother of the believers that they curse. The same mother of the believers that Allah azza wa jal frees her. In the Quran, in Surah Nur, go and read Surah Nur and you will see the verses where Allah frees Aisha radiallahu an from the filthy accusation that the munafiqun attributed to her. The Shia still accept this. Right? They say that Aisha was filthy, etc., etc. But here you accept Aisha's narration because it goes in conformity with your belief. It goes with understanding of what you believe in the Ahlul Bayt. Now, according to the Shia on this verse, when they speak about Hassan, about Fatima, about Hussein and about Ali radiallahu an and the understanding of the verse removing the ridges etc that they have ismana that they have superpowers that they are ma'asum and this is obviously not the case if one looks at the verses before this verse and the verse after this verse this is in relation to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's wives as well and this is why the ulama, they say that the Ahlul Bayt of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi is the wives of the Prophet and then including in this verse, as we see from the hadith, is Hassan, is Hussein, and Ali radiallahu an, as well as the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ibn Abbas, he says that Ali had four characteristics which no one else had. Number one, he is the first of the Arabs and non-Arabs to pray with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number two, he held Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's flag in the battles. He remained resolute alongside Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when many fled the battlefield. And number four, he washed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he lowered the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam into his grave. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, there is a very famous hadith or claimed to be hadith which is fabricated. Which says that I am the city of knowledge and Ali is his gate. This hadith however is, although it is fabricated and should not be accepted. 
And as you can see, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we've been through many ahadith today of the virtues of Ali radiallahu an, and there are many other ahadith which explains the virtues of Ali radiallahu an. And besides all of that, whatever verse of the Quran speaks about the companions, Ali falls into that as well. So there is no need to fabricate and to lie upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he said this about Ali or he said that about Ali. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said, Man kathaba alayya muta'amidan falyatabawwa maq'adahu nar. That whosoever lies against me, he builds for himself a place in the fire of Jahannam. The Khalifa of Ali radiallahu anhu. <coughs> Ali radiallahu anhu, he took the reins of the Khalifa in one of the darkest periods of Islamic history. Ali radiallahu anhu, he becomes the Amir of the believers after the great catastrophe which left a permanent scar on the body of the Islamic State and the effects of this are felt until today. He assumed the leadership after the martyrdom of Amirul Mu'mineen Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu an, and this took place in Dhul Hijjah, the year 35 after Hijrah. He remained Khalifa for five years, or five years less than a month. The pledge of his allegiance of Khalifa was given to him in the Masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The last point for tonight's discussion is that Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah says that the best after Uthman radiallahu an is Ali radiallahu an. Ibn Taymiyyah, he brings a saying in his Majmu Fatawa attributed to Imam Ahmad. May Allah be pleased with all of them. That Imam Ahmad would declare the person that makes waqf on the Khilafah of Ali. And what is meant by waqf? That he doesn't want to comment on the Khilafah of Ali. He doesn't want to accept that Ali was supposed to be a Khalifa at that time, etc. And he says that this, this is the words of Imam Ahmad. That he is more astray than a domesticated donkey. And he is the people of Bid'ah. And this is a saying attributed to Imam Ahmad rahimallahu ta'ala. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this brings us to the end of this week's discussion with regards to Ali radiallahu Next week, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we will be looking at events in the Khilafah of Ali radiallahu Here we will be looking at the battle of Jamal, the battle of Sifin. We'll be looking at the martyrdom of Ali radiallahu And we will be looking at the difference between the companions during the time of Ali radiallahu and Khalifa. There was a difference. And this difference was with regards to the killers of Uthman radiallahu an. And inshallah bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we will be looking at this next week by the will and the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu wa la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.